It's reporters assemble. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. <laughs> um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, you heard it. It's Friday morning. That means the sports reporters have indeed assembled. Joining me as they do every Friday morning, my good friends Robert Silverman of the Daily Beast up there in New York City. Robert, good morning, sir. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Chase? Not, not too bad. It's gonna be, it's gonna be a hot one today here in Knoxville, Ooh. as they say. It's gonna be a hot what's, one. What's it like in? What's the weather down in 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 uh, the Smoky Mountains? Ninety. Really? Mm. Yeah, that's unpleasant. 90s 90s pretty hot what's it it's like a, it's in a New York cool City? 73 right now here in brooklyn Heights. i was gonna say it looked cold when the braves were playing the mets this week and yeah we had a, we had a week of, of low 70s high 60s that's where i like it i don't like i don't think i don't like 80 degree weather that's too warm for me i yeah. like 65 to 75 is my sweet spot okay that is warm enough mm-hmm. where at most when you're going out maybe you need to bring a light jacket mm-hmm. but usually not and not so hot that you feel uncomfortable, say, in a subway mm-hmm. or something, or in a similarly unpleasant enclosed non-air conditioned space. Seventy-five. I know I should move to San Diego. That's the joke. <laughs> Seventy-five all the honking time. Also here, Andrew Hammond of the Detroit Free Press. Andrew, good morning, sir. How are you? I'm good, man. How you doing? Not too bad. Not too bad. How uh, how goes it in the streets of Detroit where? The Pistons won the number one overall pick. Yeah, they did. Kate you know Cunningham. What? It's uh, it's okay. You guys are gonna laugh. Uh, I'm man. I'm preparing to laugh already. <laughs> I, okay, no, no. Again. Well, first off, I'm kind of mad that uh, that Nike sold out of the uh, Griffey Air Force Ones. Um, how much are those going for? One ten. Mm, it's not bad. So it's not bad, but when you have a size thirteen to fourteen shoe, it's a common size, and I'm just like, I kind of sort of hate people, you know, more than usual. So yeah. Um, oh and you know, years ago I was working on a story that I could not confirm for the life of me. So this is all unsourced goss, but supposedly uh, I, I started digging into the idea that whenever Nike decides to re-release a shoe that they have people that they seed people in the resale market to make sure that all the old versions get sold up real quick. That oh, basically that. They're creating market scarcity. Now that is just gossip. I have no proof. That is an allegation that I was not able to prove at mm. all. But basically, that uh, that Nike was allegedly engaged in a little uh, shoe uh, market manipulation. That doesn't sound like them. No, no. It's it, I started looking into it because it's so implausible. I thought, well, I could prove the haters wrong. That's why I started working on the story. Mm. Obviously, but in any case, well, that brings us. That's to our not first why topic. you can't get a shoe now, Andrew. That's not at all. Um, oh, it's all good. No, I got the. I picked up the uh, uh, Air Griffey uh, Air Max ones, so mm. we're good. Um, there's something interesting now too. Before we get into some other NBA stuff, but I wanted to mention the Detroit stuff because what's interesting is front of the pod, Jonathan Sharks of the Ringer read a piece about whether or not the Pistons should consider someone else other than Cade because of his 
fit problems with Killian Hayes and guys like I, that around him. That's ridiculous. Don't but, I... but the point being, like the the comments crack me up because we do this every year, where people are certain, and a lot of people who have watched exactly zero minutes of Oklahoma State basketball, zero oh. minutes of USC Trojans basketball, zero minutes of the G League Ignite. And they have very, very strong opinions of these players. And yes, Kate Cunningham, like when you watch the highlights, and I watched a l- more Cunningham than I did Mobley. Um, the Mobley brothers were a lot of fun, though, at USC. They were very dominant in the tournament. Cade was as well. Um, Cade, just every, he looks like a future star. Jalen Green, I haven't seen enough of. But like you go up down the list, like Keon Johnson broke the vertical jump record this week. So I, I'm not saying being a Tennessee volunteer help that but i'm not not saying that and then you think about just the last couple drafts you look at drafts as a whole and just how much of it is a crapshoot and how much of it is so hard to read but when people are so certain about stuff like this it cracks me up where i'm like oh you you're sure that mobley is not going to be a better player than Cade cunningham you're out of your mind it's very very possible that Cade cunningham is not the best player in this draft and that even though he is the consensus number one that doesn't mean he's going to be the best player for the Pistons. That doesn't mean if they had gone Mobley five years from now, we go, oh, what a great pick to go outside the box. We also don't really know what Troy Weaver is going to do here. We don't have a big track record with him yet. So I, I don't know. I just think the pushback naturally is all, it always cracks me up because it's so over the top and it's so silly because I know it comes from a place of where they don't have the insight to have st- such strong opinions. I don't care. It's still <laughs> It's, it's still dumb and they're wrong. Why, Bob? It, what you don't watch college basketball? How do you have a strong take on this? I have watched many clips on Twitter.com <laughs> of Cade Cunningham. Well, that makes you an expert. Yeah, I have. Look, oh, you say you've read thousands of scholarly articles. Well, I've read a million posts. <laughs> so, seems like we both have a strong argument. Mm. Uh I'm sorry, don't trade the number one pick. It's Cade Cunningham. He's extremely cool. Don't do it. No, not it's... trade the number one pick. Just consider different options. No, don't do that. It, well, what? and it's it's this overthinking of, you know, you you don't want it's 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 this group think and it's this strategy of the the idea that the number one pick doesn't always turn out to be the next the, the the best player in the draft. Yes, that's true. Cade Cunningham in this draft is the consensus number one. He is the consensus number one for a reason. The consensus number one, more often than not, works out. The fact that the Celtics made hay because they traded Markel Fultz for Jason Tatum in required a series of freak accidents in which Markel Fultz's entire shot abandoned him. Like, I just think it's a, it generally as a question of process if there is a draft where you know of a consensus number one pick yeah you might want to hang around but you might not want to veer zig where everyone zags just because uh you've decided that you're going to outsmart everyone i think that's very silly that's that's the thing that i'm i'm super kind of one annoyed and kind of like also confused about because it's like okay anybody who's watched basketball all year long you know, those are the four guys, Green, Suggs, um, the kid from Ignite and Mobley. Like that was kind of the consensus throughout the season. Now, all of a sudden, it's this I want to get out in front of this interesting strategy 
just so on the back end, I can be like, oh, man, yeah, they really did, you know, oh, I mean, you know, they really did something with this move or, oh, I knew they were going to do that. It, it, it It's weird. And it's kind of like, wait a minute, this is the consensus number one. But then you have this source of, you know, maybe he's not the number one guy. And then you have all these people kind of, you know, trying to push narratives and, and trying to take it at a different angle. Like, I get it. At the same time, it's also like you you were just telling me this guy was the number one dude. And it's coming from people that one clearly have not watched enough college basketball. And that's the thing I kind of hate about draft season is that people who don't watch the college game and don't watch some of these kids now all of a sudden are the authority on, you know, the kids coming out of the draft. And it's like, no. like me who has read many posts. Yes, you have. Bob. Bob, you are an expert. You I, you know, an I'm an, I'm an expert. Usman Garuba guy. That's my guy in this draft, Usman Garuba. Yeah. Um, you don't know who Usman Garuba is? Well, then, who's the expert now? <laughs> I was just going to say, it, it, everybody wants the perfect fit, and Killian Hayes is perfectly fine. Like, I'm sorry, if you're, if you're passing up on the consensus number one because you don't want him to – you're not sure how he might fit with Killian Hayes – yeah, something in your organizational flowchart has gone very, very wrong. Yeah, if if that is a problem, I mean, really, like, how many teams have we seen that are you know stretch three, you know, hybrid three four guys, and you have like four or five of them in a lineup? Like, how many times have we seen that? And it's like, oh, okay, yeah, it's fine. Like. <sighs> Just, I, I wish people would just stop outthinking themselves or it's thinking true, themselves to a migraine. It's true, Weaver. Just like he, he can't say anything right now. He can't say like, "Yeah, we're taking the consensus number one guy." Yeah, he can't come out and say that. Of course, he's going to give a non-answer answer or a vague answer. Or, of course, or people are going to make some hay off it. It's or, fine. Or, 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 or it's legitimately we're still kind of you know it's like. We know what guy we want, but one, we aren't going to tip our freaking hand unless he's, you know, the second coming. Two, we're still in the evaluating process because for some of these guys, you actually do have to, you actually can bring them in for workouts. You can actually do some of the normal draft things that, you know, you could do pre COVID. Like you can actually do that now. So it's not this. Oh, Minnesota's picking this guy because literally we don't know who else is going to be there. Like, it, it's it's not like that. And I feel like part of it, some people are trying to make it seem like, oh, well, you know, we can we can try and do other things with this. And it's like, no, just he's the number one guy. He's. Troy Weaver throughout the season, not throughout the season, but basically it's been like if if he's there, Cade Cunningham actually fits, not just, you know, and it's not at the expense of Killian Hayes, like Killian Hayes, perfectly fine player. You know what's you know, what's perfect. You know, what you know, what else is good Two perfectly fine players. Maybe there's not a drop off. Can I ask a question of Andrew Chase? Is that okay? I wish to direct a question to the other panelists on today's show. I'll allow it. Okay. Uh, 
Are you trading Jeremy? If you're Troy Weaver, Andrew, are you trading Jeremy Grant? There's been a lot of mm. it, a lot of would, chatter on the old timeline about it possibly moving Jeremy Grant. It would depend on what I can get. I mean, it, it, and, and here's it, if I were ever a GM, Golden State, I'll give you a trade. Golden State offers the seventh pick, and if you say Andrew you Wiggins, can, I say hell no. No, you figure out a way. You find a third team to take on Andrew Wiggins. You get the seventh pick for Jeremy Grant. Andrew Wiggins goes to another team. Detroit gives a sweetener of some kind, like, say, maybe Killian Hayes in exchange for them taking on Andrew Wiggins. At this point, not that awful contract. It only lasts one more year after this. It's Yeah, it's – I would I would definitely think about it. Um, it I'm the type of guy that if I'm having to give up a guy I really like, then, like, if, if – if I have to give up Jeremy Grant, I'm going to need a bounty in return. Not necessarily like a heavy bounty, but you're going to you're gonna need like seventh pick. Okay. Mm. I would probably try it. Let's Scotty Barnes. Again, I, I wish to just point at a giant sign saying I've read many posts. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. So, no, it's fine. No. Um, I, basically, I would try and squeeze out as much as I could of that orange. You know, and, and so I'll be like, hmm, let's see what else I can get out of it. Um, Jeremy but, Grant yes. lived up to his contract. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you yeah, yeah. Jeremy Objectively Jeremy good last Grant, year. Yeah. Jeremy Grant for a team. seventh pick? Yeah. I, I'm not hating that deal. Um, i keep Jeremy Grant if I'm Detroit. I, I would. Oh, no, no, I absolutely would. Um, like, it, it would have to be, I would probably need another first in, like, a year or two. Um, yeah, you could probably get two firsts, like a protected first. Yeah. And, and, Dwayne and, Casey and, has to be involved in the trade if you trade Jeremy Grant, because that means his, his time in uh, Detroit's over. Like, that's it. Because then you're going man, you know what? I, it, I mean, look, I, I don't think it's a good move. I think I think I don't think it's a good move. I think surrounding Cade Cunningham with, with quality players and not going full process is, in Yeah, fact, it's almost like path. what the Hawks just did. By, and, you know, well, signing Bogdan, Bogdanovich and Danilo Gallinari and trading for Clint Capella. It's almost like when you surround young guys. It's the NFL model, what they do with quarterbacks now, right? That's how I compare it to. Is the NFL was yeah. ahead of everybody else in this regard, where the NFL was like, oh, so we fixed uh, rookie quarterbacks making way too much money while the rest of the roster did not, and they don't live up to it. So they're going to make less for a couple years before they get their ridiculous, gigantic, insane contract. So we are going to maximize this window while they're on the rookie deal and just spend, spend, spend around these rookie guys to make their life easier because playing quarterback at the NFL level is extremely difficult and extremely hard. So to help that learning curve and to ensure they don't lose their confidence, we are going to spend, spend, spend on a bunch of vets around them to make their jobs easier. That should well, be to do what that all anyway. these teams do right now instead of like that, pairing that should be a thing. In- I, I don't think the Pistons. I mean, look, the Pistons made some weird moves last year. Jeremy Grant worked out. I don't know if dumping all that money in, in, in. Yeah, he's the 19th pick. I don't think dumping all that money in a Plumlee's lap was necessarily. No, the yeah. Um, like Sadiq Bay, good shooter. Sneak, like, they nailed their post lottery picks. Mm. Sneak Bay is going to be a quality wing in the NBA for years to come. Isaiah Thomas, Isaiah Thomas, Isaiah Stewart is uh, is a good undersized big. Those are two very good picks. They should be happy about that. Sabian Lee is kind of feisty. They've got some guys. And 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 
And that's Jason. the thing about Detroit. It's like you have the pieces to and I'm not saying that, you know, oh, they're a conference semifinalist lock. No, there's still be a no, fun team that's gonna there'll lose be 50 there'll games. be a fun team and it's kind of it's one of those things where I wish teams now and I wish I wish I could say this to NBA Twitter, you know, like just say like over a bullhorn. Let teams build. Like just let them build and grow without player X not being happy. And then all of a sudden everybody wants to Photoshop his ass onto a new jersey because he's unhappy. Hi, Zion Williamson. Uh just, you know, you know, you know who's really screwed up their team in the last year or so? The JJ. Dallas Mavericks. The yeah. Dallas Mavericks did. Oh, it's, absolutely. I, I am they have spilled. We've gotten enough dirt on the Mavericks front office in the last month to last a lifetime. Just the entire like Bob Volgaris, like shadow power broker thing. And he's still there. Yeah. They didn't fire him. He won the, the power reverse. struggle. He did. Bob like fucking little finger the hell out of that. <laughs> so kudos to him. And now the Mavericks are just bringing back the entire 2011 championship team to run things. I which can't seems believe like that they're hiring list. Jason Kidd. I also I Nico believe- Harrison. I thought like, I thought that was a. I, at first I was like, okay, so he's a candidate. But then somebody was like, no. Somebody texted me and they were like, no, he's like a serious like. It could be any day it now. Was like, yesterday oh, morning when. When Rick Carlisle was like, yeah, you guys should hire Jason Kidd. Okay, got to go. Bye. <laughs> um, and took the Pacers job. It's like, is he just messing with his team on the way out the door? What the hell? I, is-? And then suddenly all the Scoopmeisters chimed in to say, no, actually. I think, he, I, th- I think Rick Carlisle realized, yeah, I don't know how much I'm going to have longer with Luca, uh, And clearly... I think he realized it's a toxic situation. Oh, it's a no, I don't think so. A- I think it was more of the Luca thing where he was like, yeah, Luca is going to ask for my ouster anyway. Cause Luca, like he saw the report today about uh, Jamal Mosley being really close and like, he was probably going to get promoted uh, next year. Uh, I-, I just have to say, I think Luca is a bit of a diva. I don't care for him. Every superstar is a bit of a diva. Trey's a diva. Zion's oh, a diva. You know, They're all divas. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll no, I don't. I, I don't. I Luca's don't. Luca's little whiny face. When all of them whine. What are we talking about? Yeah, I don't care. He, he. I, I don't like the cut of his jib. Mm. It irks me. It irks me. I mean, and, part of being a professional star athlete in your youth is being I don't, a diva. Fine. I don't like the way he's exhibiting his diva-ish qualities. Mm. Okay? He's a little too Mariah Carey and not enough Beyonce. <laughs> what? Um, if we're ranking the divas. that Now, does that make any sense? No. no my point stands. Uh, okay. Also, um, can, can, can we just get... Mm-hmm. Look. I get star players aren't happy, mm-hmm. but it feels, and this is the segment of the NBA that I kind of sort of don't like right now. And, mm-hmm. and it's this super or star player on a team is unhappy. Yes. Now all of a sudden we are rumor mongering and throwing all this crap out there about how, basically they're just going to go and they're going to go to a big market club. Like it's, it's really turning into the premier league Mm. and not every team. Like if you're going to let every star player go to the same 
five or so, five to eight teams that are always brought up in these situations. Like after a while, it's like I can't, you know, like can this guy fit on a roster? Not everybody can play for the Lakers. Not everybody. I think that's a Twitter be, thing. I think it's a social can, media can, thing. I don't think. Oh people no, in real I, life I don't know. I don't think. I, th- I think it's not exactly a social media thing. I think there, are, I think there are two dynamics that are coming to a head at the same time. On the one hand, post the decision, the idea that players could control their own destination in terms of where they wanted to apply their trade became a thing. That like you know the whole stuff about the player empowerment era, which made a lot of guys in half z half zip fleeces like really pissed off. Leave me out of this. Uh, okay, and it's uh, zip. It's and any and pissed off Chase and all of his fellow Patagonian th- enthusiasts. Yeah, all, like that is real. The dynamics of how teams are built changed inexorably over the last decade Mm -hmm. and so you in fact do have a 365 day year churn of rumor and gossip and immediately the moment one player looks like they might uh be getting a case of wanderlust the entire you know media machine kicks into apparatus but the nba the nba itself while it may have preferred to tie players to contracts and cities they also definitely do like the fact that people are talking about basketball pretty much, you know, every single week of the year, mm-hmm. save for the lull between the Las Vegas Summer League and the start of training camp. The way that it is in the NFL. They like that. And yes, that does translate to certain social media activity. It translates to how reporters cover stories and what stories they cover because the fans, or at least a segment of the, of the fans, actually like this stuff. And so it becomes a uh, it becomes a thing where this dynamic, which we see play out in terms of the coverage, mirrors what's happening in the league itself and both end up fueling the other. I don't think it's just like, oh, it's Twitter's fault. Now, hold on, Andrew, I'd like to hear what you think while I close the window because there's construction going on outside. <laughs> right. Hey, yeah, we um, work it here. That was a terrible New York accent. <laughs> um, no, it's it's absolutely true. And like there are parts of the player empowerment era that I love, and there's other parts of it where I'm just kinda like I'm I'm definitely ready for the max contract era to be over and i think it's going to be over soon uh because you're gonna see not every like yes i'm all for getting what what you think what you think you're worth and, and and teams are gladly gonna overpay for guys but at the same time it's also like if you're giving all these max contracts and you're giving all this stuff to all these guys after a while, that well's going to run dry, and not everybody's worth those deals. And it's it's all about just building your team and 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 keeping guys around. Like it's you've got to have a good front office, and I, I think that the majority of the NBA franchises actually do want to com- do want to field a competitive team and they do want to compete 
But whether it be financial, whether it be structural, whatever, some things are holding them back. But for some teams, it's like you're doing everything to keep one guy happy. That's great. That's wonderful. But at the same time, it's like if he's got everything he wants and he's not happy with a, you know, conference semifinal or conference final appearance, how much like it's like you can give this guy all everything in the world, but if it's not going to be enough, then all of a sudden he's just going to leave. And it's like, well, shit, I just like, I I, just, I think about some of the situations that go on in the league. And it's honestly, it's super annoying that the beast is being fed through non-credible sources and quote unquote sources. And you were having all of these things all these stories put out in the athletic or ESPN.com or bleacher report, what have you. And it's just very annoying. And it's very kind of like, Oh man, this league is crazy. It's like, yeah, if we're going to have a rumor filled league, that shit's not enjoyable where it's like every two months we are fantasy booking what's going to happen with player X. And yes, I get it. It's to drive content and it's to drive eyes to sites and viewers and all that. But at the same time, it's just kind of like we're treating it like, like the public is treating it like NBA 2K. And it's like that shit doesn't work like that. Like there, there are legitimate teams that want to build, and if a star wants to go, like it happens. But y'all are really trying to fantasy book NBA craziness, and it's it's hurting the product. You are hurting the product more than actually giving eyes to it. Like you can get all the eyes in the world, but it's like if it's becoming more and more about what's happening off the court, that shit's not enjoyable. And it's really not like I kind of miss 2010 because it was like, oh, this was very fascinating. But now it's just kind of like we want to we want to recreate that every single summer with somebody. And it's just the law of diminishing returns died in like 2016. uh, Is that Molly Karim? Is it? Yeah, yeah. Molly Karim. Yeah, yeah. Um, that stuff this week was atrocious. Like, I don't know what. Well, I missed that. What was that? Uh, so I, I saw a little bit of it, but didn't see too, did, but didn't like her, go. Stephen A and everybody were talking about the fi- like the playoff destinations with the final four teams. Oh, yeah. And we're talking about yeah. the cities and yeah. like they were uh, just laughing about skipping uh, the finals this year because it, and she said, quote, terrible cities um, for the remaining teams still in the NBA playoffs. Just terrible cities. Um, I just, I don't know what you do with that. Like, I don't, if your network, you've got to push back significantly. I don't know how, like, I, I just, <laughs> yeah, so, no, it's, this is bad. It, like that was really bad. I, I was surprised when I heard cause like, Oh, what is this? And you dive in, you listen to the context where it was like, Oh yeah. Like this is bad. This is not how you not talk about gritty. the rest of the, the city. And this is, just and not... it, but, but, but you know what the sad thing is they are saying what the lowest common denominator fan is thinking. And that's the thing that I absolutely hate about these debate shows. 
is that they aren't even just debate shows. It's it's performance art. Your debate, you're you're playing to an audience of people that don't really consume the games at a sophisticated level. It's you're having you're having conversations. I don't like to call these middle school uh, or high school lunch table shows because this is the shit that we were saying in high school. Oh yeah, I want to go to Milwaukee. Yeah, fuck that place. Yeah, whatever. Like, yes, Milwaukee is a mid-level market. But you know what the awesome thing about these mid-level markets that they are so quote-unquote not happy to be at or or dreading to go to? Those teams fucking care. Like, but also just watching don't speak down to people on other cities, like right. the only cities that matter: are New York and L.A. and Miami. And, and it's, it's, just, and it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Thing. And it's the thing that they are so that that these smaller cities are so, you know, lack of a better term, are paranoid about. It's like we already know you you think less of me because I'm in a large or I'm in a smaller to mid market. But when you say that out loud, you're already feeding into the insecurities and you already are you're you're enhancing the stereotype that is being is is quite frankly, being shown by the national media, and I hate using that term, but it's like, if you've watched the NBA at all beyond what you see on, you know, on ESPN and TNT, you already know Trey Young is one of the best players in the league and why you kind of sort of aren't shocked that he wasn't on the all-star team, but at the same time, it's like, oh yeah, it's, it kind of sort of makes sense that he's not on the all-star team because one, he's in a market that nobody really gave a crap about. No offense to Atlanta, but that's just where they sit. And it's like, if they're good, we'll pay attention. But if they aren't good, then we're not going to pay attention. And it's just kind of like, you can't pick and choose and be picky with where you you, you can't be so damn selective of what's going on, but it's like, it's just, it's very short-sighted and yeah, if I'm the NBA or if I'm Disney, I'm like, what the fuck are you doing guys? Like, I, I, honestly, I cut who, if, if Milwaukee does win, I want them to do first take from Milwaukee. Like I won't watch it because I hate that show, but no, go out there. Like Go out there and greet those fan bases. Like Charles Barkley has the whole thing with San Antonio. It's kind of a tired gimmick, but like he would still go out there. He went to Oklahoma City. He was making fun of Oklahoma City when they were doing their run. But you know what? He went out there and enjoyed himself. Just go talk to people. Go see because there's a lot of people that enjoy living in Milwaukee. there are a like, lot of people who enjoy living in Omaha, Nebraska. There are a lot of and, people in, like just go talk to them. And, Don't. And, and Milwaukee's them. not a bad city. Like it's actually a solid basketball city. Like those people give a damn. Yeah. You know, like if if the Nets are bad, not many people are going to show up to those games. I don't know. It, it's just it, it's one of those. It just, but it, but but if the Bucks are bad, people are still going to go. Like that. That's the thing that kind of really hate about. The, like these shows is like they'll sit there and they'll shit on these cities and I'm like, you you do know that these people go out regardless if the team is good or not, right? Like, they, like packing a hundred thousand people into a stadium for a football game right. and they could be three and seven. Football. Yeah, 
Like people give a shit. Like you, you want them to. You want to treat everybody like they're the New York fucking Knicks. But then there's sometimes where the Knicks are bad, and it's like, yeah, people are there to see the train wreck. That's why they're there. You know, you you want to know why people from Milwaukee are there when that club is sitting between fifth and sixth consistently throughout the season in the Eastern Conference because they because they give a damn. So, yeah, just. I hate embrace debate culture. I hate it. I hate it so much. It needs to burn because it is not helping. It's hurting the product that they're supposed to be talking about. And it doesn't even matter what sport. I'm just like, Jesus Christ, read a fucking book. Okay, I'm good. Which actually brings us to the alternate alternate helmets. Being back in the NFL next year, oh, I'm so excited for this. Yes, uh, my favorite part about the yes. my favorite part about this is that like they made the announcement after teams had already submitted their uniform and logo designs for this year, so there's really just not actually anything they can do at mm-hmm. this point. So all you people care. jonesing out, I've missed them all you so people much. jonesing to see Pat Patriot again mm. or or. Or I, I don't know. The Bills the, red helmets, the Seahawks are perfect. No, I, the I, Bills I red helmets are an abomination. That's a terrible helmet. It's what? a great helmet. Do you know why that they went to bad. red, by the way? Do you know that story? Yes, because Joe Ferguson is was colorblind. Yes. And so they wanted to make sure that he could see the helmets. And do you know how that he worked out? All, it badly. He yeah, like he still threw a crazy amount of picks. Worse? <laughs> yeah. Well, no, no I mean, at I, all. I'm all for... I'm all for like the the whole single shell rule in the NFL made no sense anyway because I get it. Like, they were trying to like institute uniform conditions to to ensure player safety. No, I totally get that, them. but like but, I figured you oh, know they could buy the same helmet in a different color. Or it yeah, seemed like or, they could do that. Well, and it was like okay, we're doing all these different things with uniforms, and you know we having color rush and all this and all that, and I'm I'm like wait a minute. So you're doing all these cosmetic changes to uniforms, to you know, to jerseys and pants and doing all these different things, but the single shell rule was the bridge that was too far. Like it, it just didn't make any sense that you're doing all these different things, yet you want to keep the hel- the helmet, you know, single shell. And I'm like, wait a minute, huh? <laughs> like it, it just it just it's like I want to put, you know, a Ferrari in my driveway, yet you're just kind of like, maybe you should do something else, or maybe, I don't know, just, I hate that the NFL was doing that, and people are like, oh yeah, no, it's all about player safety, and I'm just like, wait a minute, <laughs> we're now, now we're going to talk about player safety, uh, oh yeah, no, bump that, y'all got the money. Um... Andrew, what was your favorite mound check meltdown over the last week? Was it Scherzer? Uh, all of them. Who was it? Okay, all, all of them. them. Literally all of them. But Sergio Romo was mm. the one that had me cracking up. <laughs> it was just, it, it's so stupid. It is so dumb. Like, I want them to cheat now. Like, please, <laughs> cheat. Um, you know, no, I, I, no, because I saw it last night with the Tigers. Uh, Jose Urania was was checked on the mound and it was just kind of like <laughs> what are we doing guys like what like are we pre-checking guys like is, is this are we going through tsa like what the hell are we doing and yeah it's well, a bad look major. 
for, for baseball fans, and I consider myself one, the one thing I, I thought coming into this year is how can we make umpires more like cops? And I, cause I want to see more cop stuff on the baseball diamond and, and, and into its credit, major league baseball figured that out. And so now we have full on body cavity searches every couple of innings. That's awesome. To me. I think I perfectly done 10 out of 10. Mm. Um, your picks of the week. I'm excited to talk about mine. Andrew, what is your pick of the week? So am I, but I'll let Andrew go first. Uh, mine is the uh, upcoming Stanley Cup Finals because mm. you're either going to get uh, Montreal, who has not won a cup since 93, the last Canadian team to win a cup since 93, uh, and you're either going to get the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning going for their second straight Stanley Cup, I believe, and or you're going to get the New York Islanders uh, playing in Nassau Coliseum for the last time. And uh, as they call it, Fort Never Lose. So, yeah, I'm all for watching uh, the Stanley Cup final. And you know what? It was, and I think Bob will appreciate this too. It was very old school. Like, this is a very old school Stanley Cup final. They, they didn't split it east west. It was kind of, kind of, you know, you had interesting wonky matchups. And it, and it and it was just it was played right down the middle. There was no you know nobody really had an easy road because the semi the semifinal that we had on one side of the bracket was basically the two best teams in the league. Great job NHL, and all of a sudden they get beat in six games by a team that was pretty much dead to rights in February. So. Uh, hockey doing its best to remind everybody that they are the best postseason sport. And yeah, I'm all for it. Mm, can't do that last part. Can't do that last part, but it's better than the NBA. I'll say that. I would say yes until the finals, but I think major league baseball is still, you know, still you, know, can't you know, what could help, you know, what could help the NBA though. If they go five games for the first two rounds, that would make it's everything better. Oh, it's never going to happen with TV. Hell no. no. But it needs to. But, you know, more is better. Bob, what is your pick of the week? Well, it's a pick of the week that uh, I'm happy to share. Mm-hmm. But, unfortunately, it's um, it's not one that anyone else can partake in. So it's really more of a humble brag than a pick. Which is that uh, my significant other is writing a story about the TV show Ted Lasso. Mm. Which many oh, people nice. are fans of. And as such, she's being gifted. She has been gifted screeners for the first three episodes of the new season that no one else gets to see until mid-July. So she and I are going to hunker down and watch the first three episodes Mm. of the new season of Ted Lasso before all y'all. So there you go. That's my pick of the week. Uh, But for all of you... For all you plebes and serfs out there, I would recommend watching uh, episodes one through ten from the first season, which are which remain delightful. Um, I like it. I like it. Um, my viewing watch of the week is Mayor of Easttown. If you have not already, uh, my significant uh, like, other and I binged that yeah. last weekend. Fucking phenomenal. Just uh, I still need to watch that. It it's heavy, man, but it is worth the ride. That is a show that you can sink your teeth into, and it pays off. 
in so many ways. Love. For, I'm a big for lighter fa- HBO fare. I would recommend Hacks, which is mm. very good. I'm Gene Smart, also in Mayor of East Town, okay, uh, is awesome, and it's a funny, well-made show without getting too deep into like Delco County misery. Yeah. Um, my other pick of the week. I'm Ryan sorry, Delco County misery. <laughs> there. <laughs> um, the former president of the Philippines died. I love reading obituaries. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow normal i love reading obituaries and i know that came out callous and but that's not what i was trying to do there i just enjoy chase thomas i love death (laughs) i am i am i have i have become death destroyer of worlds chase thomas it's the first thing i read in the new york times every day is the obituary section i just enjoy reading about uh these people people who die an old man (laughs) yeah man then he checks the weather, possibly followed by the funnies, because that Marmaduke, you never know what he's going to do. I'm sorry, go on, Chase, we've interrupted you. Um, but anyway, this story is just great. He was only 61, unfortunately, but he was a well-liked... <laughs> the story's great. He died young. <laughs> I didn't mean for it to be this bad. Uh, this is coming off really badly, but... Um... It was he lived a really uh, interesting life. Um, his father was assassinated. His mother took over. <laughs> I know this is still sad, but he had a quote in this that I thought was um, an interesting way to look at his life. And he was looked at as a kind and simple soul. But um, this line I think is great, and I want to use that uh, going forward. Anyone asks about uh, me taking any kind of real leadership position anywhere, it, he said, "quote." At her wake, someone approached me and suggested that I run for the presidency. My immediate response, I am not a masochist. It's great. It's like, why would anyone ever want to be a president of the United States or the Philippines or whatever? I don't know why he wouldn't want it. it. sounds awful. Like, and he was just openly like, yeah, that sounds terrible. I, I don't hate myself. Why would I do that? And then he ends up being president? He did. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Destiny comes for us all. He's good for yeah. the economy. It's a really, really good, really good read. Uh, Beningu, I'm going to mispronounce that, Aquino the Third. But uh, yeah, you can check it out in the New York Times today. If you're an old geezer like myself, go peruse this those is, a bit. This has been the Pacific Islands Review. Chase. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, I did not know. Am I really that much of an old man? Is that, that where no. I am? Yeah, if you're, if, no. if you're going to the New York Times, like, oh, yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with reading the New York Times. Like, you're, you're reading a, a, a very good publication. But if it's like, yeah, I'm going to read the obituaries in the New York Times first. It's the fact yeah. that he reads them first. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's the old man part. About like, like are reading you going to have locks on a bagel fine. after that or something, you old hey. geezer? Hey. I don't oh, 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 Bob, did I offend you? Bagel and a schmear with maybe some onion. I don't. I don't dig on cured fish on my <laughs> when I when oh, I oh, make oh, Bob, Bob, Bob's got standards and he wants us to know about them. I know. I'm. I am. I am a pariah amongst my people for not saying yes. Put old fish on this food, please. <laughs> dairy. I have been shunned and mocked, mm. but that's my take, and I'm sticking with it. <laughs> mm. All right. Well, for that guy up there in the Northeast, Robert Silverman of the Daily Beast, 
for that guy up there in Detroit. Of the Detroit Free Press, Andrew Hammond for myself down here in Knoxville, Tennessee. That is all we've got. Email us if you'd like to uh, us to read a mailbag question or anything on the show at Chase Thomas Podcast at gmail. Oh hell yeah, mailbag! Yes. Yeah, let's do some mailbags. I want I want to hear from the Chase Thomas readers. There you go. Uh, well, it, the Chase Thomas readers, email the Chase Thomas listeners. I'm a pretty active person. Chase's family, mm-hmm. I want to hear from you. If yeah. you're listening now. I think a lot of my family does listen to this, which is a little concerning. But um... hi, family. <laughs> Hi. Hi, Chase's mom. Hi, Chase's dad. Hi, Chase's aunt Sheila. My aunt who? Sheila. You know her. Sheila. She's delightful. Mm. <laughs> I saw a tweet that... Thank you, Bob. Thank you. They like met a one-year-old Barbara the other day, and they cracked me Oh, my God. Like, can you imagine no, meeting a one-year-old Barbara? Barbara? Oh, my God. There's a lot of Barbara's around right now. Mm-hmm. Mm. All right. Well, that's you know all what? we got. We, we, we do need to have like old people names for kids. Yeah, we need more like Hermans. Not a lot of Hermans. Not, not a lot of guys named Herman or even Sheldon. Well, there was a TV show called Young Sheldon. Yes, and the yeah, point. Let's not talk about that. In, in the show now. In the show now. <laughs> I hate that kid. If you admit that you watch either, if you watch any Chuck or Young program, Sheldon fighting, he watches the King of Queens. What do you want from this man? Oh, God. Well, that's a, I forgot that's a that's Chuck Lorenzi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bye, guys. Ugh. All right, bye.